Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Let's go. James chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. The word of the Lord says this, beginning in verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in Come on, lacking in? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Last verse that we're going to read today, verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James chapter 1, the first 18 verses It's kind of the first section that we're going to tackle in our seven-week study this fall. We're studying this book because it's important. We're studying this book because it's going to help us. We're studying this book because James, he's aiming at maturity, growth. He's talking about faith, faith that works in our everyday life. Today, and possibly the next seven weeks, it's going to be more teaching than preaching, and I hope that's okay, but we're all leaning to James, and, and we want to learn what the Holy Spirit spoke through the hand of James. So today, if you're, if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you from this title or, or this subject, the wind at my back, the wind at my back. As we study James chapter one, this first section, and uh, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will use this book over the next seven weeks in all of our lives to grow and mature. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't we uh, pray for a moment and then we'll begin to uh, study James chapter one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your compassion that are made new each and every single day. Thank you for this service. Thank you for all that you've done all day. Thank you for this book 
that you preserved throughout history so that we can lean in, Holy Spirit, to what you want to tell us today. Holy Spirit, have your way in our life. Speak to us. Do a work in our heart, in our soul, in our minds. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for this family, and thank you for loving us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it, but you are good. We love you, and we thank you. And all of the 1 p.m. says? Amen. Oh, come on. All of the 1 p.m. says? Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. James is writing to believers. As I mentioned, you're not going to hear about the crucifixion. You're not going to hear about the resurrection because he's assuming that those reading this book or this letter already believe that Jesus is Lord. And so if you already believe that Jesus is Lord, his point for this letter or this book is that you would grow in your faith that you and I who believe in Jesus would mature or advance in our faith journey with Jesus. In other words, he doesn't want us to continue to be babies in our faith. That's the point of his book. I want you to, to grow up. I want you to be an adult about your faith. Your faith works. Me and Diana, and I know I'm becoming already obnoxious talking about this, but it's the joy every day of our life. Uh, going on almost nine months ago, um, we now have a baby in our life. She's almost nine months old, Aria. She's absolutely amazing. Diana gave birth to her. I didn't, but, but I was just there assisting along the way. But it's been the joy of our life. But every single month or every single two months, you have to take the baby to the doctor, and they measure her, and they measure to see how much she's grown, her height, her weight, they check her out, and every month or every two months, you're like, wow, she's grown so much, she, she weighs so much more, and we were remembering just a couple weeks ago when we first brought her home, and those of you who are parents, those of us who, who are youth leaders and you're still not married or have kids, hold on as long as you can. It's a lot of work, but um, we, I, we remember bringing her home, and she would cry in the middle of the night. She, we had a colicky baby. She had colics in the middle of the night, so we would give her colic calm, and she was there in the bassinet. We were remembering those first, like, two months it was rough it's a lot of work but she couldn't do anything couldn't say anything and then over time now we're looking almost nine months in she's already saying papa she said papa before mama I mean that's just <laughs> just saying just throwing that out there um on this guy that's the best mom in the world um but she's growing so much. We see her waving high already. The other day for the first time, she said bye. And I'm like, wow, we see growth in her life. We take her to the doctor and they're like, whoa, she is getting so tall. She's weighing so much more. It would be a problem if we took her and the doctor would say, wow, she, she hasn't grown. She, she was born like almost 20 inches, but she stayed at 20 inches. That would be a problem. We're like, oh, something must be wrong. She was born seven pounds flat. She was born seven pounds. Like now, she's almost 30 pounds. We got a big baby in our hands. She eats good. Um, follows after her daddy. Um, but it'd be a problem if we go and she's like, she's still seven pounds. She's not gaining weight. If there was no growth, we would have a problem. Yeah. Growth is good. Are you following me? Yes. James is telling believers growth is good. And you need growth in your faith. Don't stay like a baby in your faith that you never grow, you never develop, you never mature. James is saying, you and I, we have a faith that is real. It works in everyday life, and you should grow in your faith. 
You need to face adversity with faith. You need to face storms with faith. You need to face testing with faith. Don't be a baby about it because if you're a baby, you will give up when life hits you. And what we have today is a bunch of baby Christians, a bunch of people who never grow in their faith, and when life gets difficult, they think this is not Jesus, this is not God, so they walk away from their, fro- from their faith because they never grew in their faith. And James is saying, no, 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 you need to grow and mature and become an adult in your faith. Your faith works. It has power. It helps you when you're under test. Now, tests are going to come for all of us. Anybody like me, you hate tests. Anybody like me, you hate tests. I used to skip class if I had a test. I didn't want tests. I hated tests. And how many know life is going to hand us tests? All kinds of tests. You will be tested. There's this old saying that says you're either in the middle of a test, coming out of a test, or you're about to go into a test. But you will always have tests in life. There's always going to be storms, difficulties, and testing. You can't get away from it. Jesus said, in this world you will face trouble. You will have trouble. How beautiful if Jesus would have said, in this life, you will have many blessings and good times and no trouble. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, in this life, you and I will face trouble, but fear not, I've overcome the world. I'm with you to the very end. But he assured us, you and I are going to face tests. We're going to face trials. We're going to face tests. We're going to be tempted. There's going to be storms. And we're going to be tempted to give up, walk away deny our faith, abandon our faith, shipwreck our faith because of the test. But test is good. Test is doing something in you and I. Test comes to prove that if what we believe is really true or not. Test comes to show us if we really are believers or not. Because here's the thing, a lot of us, we're believers when we're on the mountaintops. A lot of us, we're really good believers, and we say what we believe. Oh, when you got the salary increase, when you bought the house, when life is going good, when your health is good, when your marriage is good, when your kids are good. How many know it's good to have faith? Oh, God gives you, you, you've been single for a long time, but God gives you that special honey. You know, finally, you come into church looking good. You're singing. Oh, you're happy. God gives you the job you wanted. God gives you the house you've been saving for. It's easy to have faith when you have that. Can you still believe it? Can you still praise God when sickness knocks on your door? When disease visits your household? When you're broke and you got no money, when you don't have the job, when you're single, when you're divorced, when, li- when life throws hell at you, can you still stand and believe God is good all the time and all the time God is good? Oh, that's a different type of faith. And I won't dwell on this too much, but we have an American type of Christianity all over our nation that says, oh, if you have Jesus, you're supposed to be good. You're supposed to be prosperous, health and wealth, and everything should be good. That is not the gospel. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Cancer will come, disease will come, loss of job, divorce will come. Oh, life throws at us punches. A real mature believer, an adult believer, one who has grown in his face, says, in spite of the storms, in spite of the rain, I will stand, I will believe, I will say my God is good. I'll bless the Lord at 
all times. I'll bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord. I'll give him a praise. I'll worship him. Even if disease comes, when sickness comes, I'll bless him. Even when I lose the job, I'll bless him. When the child is going crazy, I'll bless him. When I lose my mind, I'll bless him. He's good all the time. Can I get an amen? That's a different type of Christianity. We have a genie in the sky type of Christianity in America. Oh, the Lord is good all the time. He wants to bless me today with a lot of money and a lot of honeys. <laughs> I don't know who says that. Kevin says that. I'm just, I'm just kidding. You don't say that. I'm just kidding. Like, that's not Christianity. How about when you're tested? How about when you're tested? Can you still believe in what you say you believe? I put it this way today. The problem that we have is that when battles start, believing stops. We believe until the battles come. And beliefs are just words until they've been tested. Our beliefs are just words until they've been tested. It's like your love. You say you love somebody. Your love is just words until it's been tested. Are you following so far? I heard an example this week of what a jeweler does to see if a diamond is real or not. This is one of the the test that they do. They grab diamonds and they will have a real diamond on one hand and a fake diamond on the other, an authentic one and, and one that's not real on the other hand. And, and at surface level, it looks like both diamonds are real. They both shine. They both look amazing. And you would think both of them are real diamonds, but a jeweler, one of the tests that he can do is that he can put both diamonds under the water. And under the water, the real diamond will still shine. And you can see it. It is, it is shiny. You'll see its brilliance. The fake diamond under the water, oh, it looks dim. It does not shine. All the ladies, when they get home tonight, they're going to grab their, wing, <laughs> their rings and they're going to put it under the water. Like, mm-mm, he gave me a fake ring. <laughs> when Tess comes to life, you know what God is doing? He's putting us in the water to see if we still shine, to see if we still stand, to see if we still believe. Oh, you lost the job? Stay shining. Oh, you lost family? Stay shining. You got a bad report? Stay shining. You lost all the money? Stay shining. Stay believing. Come on, that's real faith. A lot of us, our behavior is not matching our belief. And so James is saying, I need you to grow up and be a real Christian. It's real quiet. <laughs> James is saying, can you grow up? Somebody say, grow up. In fact, one of the main points, I put it this way, one of the main points of James is that you need to grow through what you go through. You need to grow through what you go through. Can we say that together? Come on. Grow through what you go through. James is saying, you're going to go through hard times in life. Can you grow through what you are going through? Life is going to hit us all. Okay, let's, let's go back to the context. James, who is he writing to? This is the half-brother of Jesus. He becomes a pastor. After Jesus resurrects and then ascends 40 days later, James, after some time, becomes a prominent leader in Jerusalem. Imagine, this is now a pastor of a church. In fact, the bishop, he's overseeing a few churches. And uh, the church is under pressure because if we go back to the book of Acts and remember, the church is being persecuted. They're being run out of their homes, run out of the city. Nobody wants to do business with them. Many of them are losing their businesses because of what they believe in. People no longer want to do business with them. Oh, you're a follower of Jesus? No, I won't get you to you know, do my party. I won't, you do, I won't get you to bake my cake. 
I, I don't want you to do my signs. I don't want you to do anything for my business. I don't want to do business with you. Don't fix my ACs. Don't do anything because you are a believer. And we lose opportunities because we believe in Jesus. The same thing is happening in our culture today. Oh, you stand for truth, morals, values, and Jesus? I don't want to do business with you. And so a lot of them in this day and age, in this time, in James, this is what's happening. The church is losing opportunities financially because they're believers in Jesus. Nobody wants to deal with the church. Nobody wants to deal with believers, Christians. So they're losing money. They're losing family. They're losing opportunities. Some of them are going to jail for saying that Jesus is Lord. This is the Roman Empire. You're not supposed to say that anybody else is Lord except Caesar. And if you say it, you'll go to jail. And if you don't think our world is headed that way, it is headed that way. And they stay believing Jesus is Lord, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. So because of persecution, they have to leave Jerusalem. Imagine you and I, because of persecution of Miami, we have to grab, pack our bags, and move to other towns because we are losing opportunity in our city. They hate us in our city. That's what's happening in the book of James. Everybody following along so far? So James is writing to encourage them. He's writing to say, I know you've been criticized, ostracized, and a lot of you, you're acting different because you're losing opportunities. A lot of you are acting different because it's costing you money. And James is kind of like, hey, what, what's up? Why are you acting different? Because some of you are acting worldly. He's going to get into that. Worldliness is influencing the church. Some of you, you, you're not really behaving. It's not matching up to your beliefs. You say you're Christians in church on Sunday or the synagogue, he's going to mention, but you're not acting like Christians Monday through Saturday. You act real different when other people come around. And I think all of us can relate. We've all been there. Basically, what James is saying is real fruit Real faith produces real fruit. Real faith produces real fruit. You're going to notice, the next seven weeks, you're going to notice, James sounds a lot like Jesus. He's memorized his brother's sermons. The sermon that he most refers back to is the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to see a lot of that throughout the book of James. They also call James the Proverbs of the New Testament. He gives a lot of Proverbs throughout the book of James. Basically, when he's talking about fruit and he's talking about genuine faith, doesn't that remind us of what Jesus says? Jesus says, you shall know them by their fruits. In other words, how do you know somebody's a believer in Jesus? It's not because of a bumper sticker they have in their car that says Calvary Church. By the way, if you have a bumper sticker that says Calvary Church, please obey all the laws on the road. We want people to come to church, not leave the church. You, you, we don't think people are Christians because they have a fish in the back of their car. We don't think people are Christians because they carry a Bible on Sunday. That's not a Christian. Oh, I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Well, I go to church on Sunday morning. I love Calvary Church. I'm in a connect group, right? Like all those things are great. They're awesome. We should do them. But a believer is not a believer based on the circumstances that happened to them. A believer is a believer because of what happened at Calvary. You put your faith in Jesus, and in spite of everything, you show fruit in your life that this faith does work. I'm a believer no matter what circle I'm in. I'm a believer no matter what life throws at me. I'm a believer whether I have money or not, whether I have health or not, whether everything is good or not. I'm a believer with real faith. And real faith produces real fruit. 
Are you a believer? James is pulling, he's not holding back no punches. He's talking to believers. And he's like, hey, hey, grow up. (laughs) You need to grow up. Stop being babies. Bunch of babies in the church. Sometimes we need people to talk to us like that. And I think we're in a, in, a, in a generation and in a time where we want people to baby us. Oh, what happened? Everything okay? You need okay? You want a little milky? You want a little okay? I'm a niño. James is like, no, like, hey, you got real faith? I know you're under pressure, but our God is real. Didn't Jesus resurrect? You saw him suffer on the cross, but after three days he resurrected, then ascended. Oh, he's the lion and the lamb. He is the one that defeated death. He is the one that defeated sin. Oh, don't you bow down to our culture. Don't you bow down to the pressure. You need to be a believer. Stand strong in your faith. You need to be a believer, a Christian. You need to grow up and mature. Be a believer. Whether life is good or not, we got real faith. It's time for real fruit. Some of us, we're acting real different when we get in certain circles, and James is like, no, 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 you need to grow up. I know life is difficult. That's not a reason for you to be a baby. I know you've lost money. That's not a reason for you to turn your back on Jesus. I know life is hard. That doesn't mean you walk away from your faith. He's saying you hold on all the more. You are being tested for a reason. Are you following along so far? Come on, we need a book like this in our life for this time and this culture. So one more time, we read the first 18 verses. Let's look at the first four verses one more time. In fact, two to four. Look at verses two to four one more time. Look how he begins. First of all, he says, James, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's calling his brother the Lord Jesus Christ. That alone is mind-blowing. Then he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in Nothing. Woo. He goes straight at it from the jump, right at the beginning of this thing. He's saying, I know you're in the middle of the test, but stay in the test. Don't you give up because something is happening while you're being tested. Number one, basically he's saying you need to stay to get stronger. Say that with me. Come on. Stay to get stronger. About a year and a half ago, me and uh, some of us here on staff, some of our friends or family, we decided to go to a theme park. And we went to this theme park. We, wanted, we went to Orlando just to have a good time on a Friday. Did kind of like a one-day trip, go and come back. And we went in this one line, and the line was two hours long. How many know those lines can be obnoxious? They are, I mean, they will test your patience. You're like, two hours to ride Ratatouille? I don't, I'm good. I don't need to ride Ratatouille. <laughs> and so we're in this line, and... We decided, hey, if we're going to be in this line, we better make the best out of it. So while we were in the line, we just started joking around, playing around, and Kenny was there and all of that, and I think Arlene was there, and we just got really loud. We just started having fun, really loud. And I remember this guy next to us, a couple people down, he turned around, he's like, hey, hey, can you guys keep it down? And I'm like, oh my God. I thought this was the happiest place in the world. (laughs) What did Mickey do to you? I'm sorry. Right? 
And like, I know it's a two-hour line, but you're either going to be bitter for two hours or you're going to decide to get better and have fun and have joy for two hours. And I think James, when he says, hey, I want you to count it all joy or consider it, that word in the Greek, he literally says, I want you to count. I want you to value this in joy. He's saying, if you're going to be under a test, choose to have joy in the test because God is doing something at the end of this test in you. In other words, you have a choice to choose your attitude. I don't choose my test, but I can choose my attitude. I don't choose my storm, but I do choose my spirit. I don't choose what I go through, but I choose to stay joyful and hopeful in the middle of it. He says, consider, counter joy. What you're going through, I know is painful. It's not joyful. James is saying, I know what you're going through is difficult, but you can have joy in the middle of difficulties because it's a choice. It's a decision. By the way, joy is not happiness. There's a difference. Happiness is based on circumstances and emotions. Oh, I'm happy because life is good. Joy says, I am going to be glad in spite of my circumstances and emotions. It's based on conviction that God is with me and he's good all the time and all the time. God is good. I got joy in my soul. Consider it joy when you face trials or testing of many kind because it's producing steadfastness. What is he saying there? The word steadfastness in the Greek, it's the word hupomeno, and literally what it means is to stay under. In other words, God is giving you this weight, God is giving you this test, and you can stay under it because even though the wind is against you, you got wind at your back for you. And it's producing steadfastness, hupomeno, you can stay under. Don't give up, don't get, don't get out. Don't be a baby that when the weights are given to you, you throw the weights down and you never grow. You are in the, the gym, the school of hard knocks. You and I got enlisted to the LA fitness of life. <laughs> you said yes to Jesus. You and I are in Bally's total fitness. They had the worst contract of all time. <laughs> you and I are in the CrossFit of life. You, you want to you develop some muscle? You want to get strong in your faith? You want to grow? You don't throw the weights off and I can't handle this. Life is too difficult. James is saying mature. It's doing something in you. Stay under the weight. Stay under what life is throwing. God is making you stronger. God is making you and I stronger with whatever he allows that testing in our life. Don't you quit because otherwise he says you'll be immature. But if you can hoop a meno, if you can stay under with the wind on your back, he says, it is actually producing perfection. That word perfection that he mentions there in James verse 4 is the word teleos in the Greek, and it means adulthood maturity in you. When you stay under test, when you stay under the weights of life, you become an adult. Wow. He's writing to Christians all over the known world at the time, and he's saying, you're quitting on your faith, you're walking away from your faith, you're going to stay a baby. And babies don't make it through anything. But if you pick up the weights of life, and you say, my God is for me, and even though the wind may be against me, I got wind at my back. Another word picture for steadfastness is the word patience, 
but it's not in our English terms. It's in the Greek terms. That literally means leaning forward, though the wind may be against you. James says, I want you to lean forward. It's, it's, not, it's not a passive word. It's an action word. Are you following along? Yeah. James is saying you can lean forward, perseverance, steadfastness. Though the wind may be against you, you can lean forward. Even though all of life is coming against you, steadfastness. I stay under. I lean forward because it's making me stronger. It echoes what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I'm going to be immovable. I love what John MacArthur says. He says, we're immovable because we know our God is unchangeable. Oof. That's let that fry your mind for a second. I don't move in my position. I lean forward because he never changes who he is. Because I know he's faithful. Because I know he provides. Because I know he's a healer. Because I know he's good all the time. If I really believe that, I'm leaning forward. I'm going against the wind. Because my God, he's immutable. That means he never changes. He is consistent. He stays the same though my life is changing. He never changes. He's a good God. His face is always toward me. He's always looking in my direction. He's always looking to bless me. He's always looking to test me. He's always looking to make me stronger. He's always looking to make me better not bitter. I stay immovable because he's unchangeable. My God. Basically, James says, better, you better know your theology. You better know who your God is because if you don't know who your God is, you will be moved because you think he's changed. And a lot of you are not growing in your faith, James is saying, because you think God has changed. He says, God is not changing. Stay to get stronger. And I wish we had more time. I, sometimes I think I'm at CLS, and we're going to take two hours to explain this, but i got to move on. You'll read it throughout the week by our commentary. But in verse 5 and 8, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person is not supposed that he'll receive anything for the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So he goes from talking about testing having perseverance, steadfastness, leaning forward against the wind to talking about wisdom. Number one, stay to get stronger. Number two, pray to gain wisdom. I feel like the second thing James is saying is, hey, in the middle of your testing, in the middle of your trials, in the middle of you being tempted, you know what you need? Wisdom. I don't know if, if you're like me, but I, sometimes I wish the Bible said something different. God, what I need is more money. <laughs> God, what I need is a better situation. God, what I need is for you to change it. And many times God doesn't change the situation because he wants to change us. Let's go back to the context. Remember, you got to read scripture in context. He's writing to Christians that are losing money. They're poor. They're being persecuted. They're under disease, sickness, persecution, and grief. And you would hope that James would write, hey, don't worry, check your mail tomorrow, there's a check. <laughs> no. You know what you need to pray for? Wisdom. Yeah, but, but no, you need wisdom. I know, but you don't understand what I'm going, wisdom. Do you want to be an adult? Or do you want to be a baby? 
There's a pastor, there was a pastor named Warren Wearsby. He pastored for many years, and he was a legend, absolute legend. And he had an assistant. His assistant had a stroke. And he shared a story that when she, when she had a stroke, she was in the hospital many weeks. It was, it was a pretty bad situation. And at the same time that she had the stroke and ended in the, in the hospital, her husband got sick. He had a disease. He got really bad, and he ended up in the hospital as well. So you have in one hospital the wife trying to recover from a stroke, in the other hospital, the husband trying to recover from a disease. And Pastor Warren, he visits his assistant and he says, hey, I've been, I've been praying for you. I visited your husband as well. And just praying for both of you. We're here for you. I'm praying. She's, Pastor Warren, thank you, thank you. She kind of like stops him and she says, but what have you been praying for? She's, uh, you know, Pastor Warren's like, well, I'm praying that God will comfort you. And I'm praying that he would make you strong. And she's like, Pastor Warren, that's great. That's awesome. And, and I really do appreciate it. But can I ask you for one more thing? Pastor Warren's like, yeah, sure. She's like, can you pray that God would give me wisdom not to waste this test? That's a good prayer to pray. God, don't let me waste this trial that I'm in. Give me wisdom to get better, stronger, more mature, Knowing that it's producing something in me, I need wisdom so that I'm better on the other end. Are you following along so far? Again, James is trying to teach us something. What you and I need is not more money, it's not good health, it's not an awesome marriage and family. All that is great, and God, God hopefully will give us all of that good, and I do believe God blesses in a lot of ways, but more than that, we need wisdom. And this is where he sounds like Proverbs. Remember, he's talking to Christians that are losing opportunity. Many of them broke, going to jail, being persecuted. And his words kind of echo Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 would tell us this. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. James is echoing Proverbs to say, hey, I know you are asking for more money. And many of you are giving up on your faith. You're like babies who are giving up because God hasn't given you a $10,000 check. God has given you wealth and health. You know what you need better than that? You need wisdom. And it's more precious than silver and gold. And if he gives us silver and gold, amen, God is good. But even if he doesn't, God is still good. I need wisdom not to waste this test. Come on, it's only a test. And I need wisdom not to waste it. I need wisdom to figure it out. What does James say? We just read it. What does James say? Hey, hey, the rich man, guess what? He dies too. Oh, yeah, he dies. And many people take his possessions and ruin it. The poor and the rich both will die and face God. Have wisdom not to waste the trials and testing of life. James has given us wisdom. James is giving us understanding and perspective in life. Number one, he says you need to stay to get strong. Number two, pray to gain wisdom. Church, we need wisdom in our day and age. Don't waste the test that you are in. Don't waste the trial that you're going through. 
I don't know who this is for today. I don't know where it's going to land in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit. I know I'm in the middle of a test, and I know what I'm learning from James, but I just hope you hear it loud and clear. Don't waste your trial. It comes to make you better. And ask God for wisdom, and if you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. Don't be like an unstable person. Will he give me wisdom? Will he come through? Will he not? He says, you don't want to be like the sea tossed back and forth. He is stable in all his ways. He'll give me wisdom not to waste this. He started by saying, count it all joy when you face trials. That word trials in the Greek stands for tests, trials, or temptations. Wisdom is right in the middle of trials and temptation, but he basically mentioned it from the beginning. He's going to go into temptation now. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. After talking about wisdom and the rich and the poor man, he says, Now let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is Lord and enticed by his... Come on, one being by his... Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The first section ends there. Number one, stay to get stronger. Number two, pray to gain wisdom. Number three, we need to watch to be aware. He's talking about temptation. Listen, I'll finish with this. The church is being tempted in different parts of the world, as James is writing this, to give up their faith. And he's saying that temptation does not come from God. James knows that the human tendency is to what? Blame God. Or we blame the devil. You ever heard people say like, well, it's just the way God made me. I'm just like that. It's just the way God made me. That's just how, that's just how I am. God made me this way, right? Hey, why, why'd you do this in your life? Just God made me. Hey, why are you always angry? I'm just like that. God gave me this temper. This is what I am. I can't get better. Don't blame God. Hey, why, why'd you cheat? Why'd you have an affair? Why'd you, you know, lie? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Just, God made me this way. I just lied. God made me this way. Don't be a baby in your faith. Grow up. Take some responsibility. Be responsible. James is saying, that doesn't come from God. It comes from you, player. Temptation comes from you and I. He says it starts in here. James is giving us wisdom. He's saying, by the way, if you're being tempted, it does not come from God. It comes from you. He's going to go into hunting terms. Literally, he goes into, he's right. If we can read it in the Greek, he's going into hunting terms. And he says, the devil knows your weakness. So what does he do? He knows where you're weak and he'll throw bait in front of you. And he says, he lures us away. And then he says, we, we actually, we follow that desire into deception. Then we disobey and that death comes to our life. He actually gives, he, he mentions birth a few times. Desire gives birth to disobedience. Disobedience gives birth to death. You want death in your life? Spiritual death, mental death, emotional death? Disobey God. Go after temptation. You will die. You'll be separated from God. What are the four steps? Really quick. He mentions deception, desire, disobedience, death. It first starts with deception. You and I, we are deceived by our own selves, thinking that there's better opportunity here, there's more money here, there's a better outcome here. We are lied to by ourselves. And it doesn't come from God. We, we lie to ourselves. I'm going to give up on my faith. I'm going to abandon my faith. 
And then comes desire. And we're lured away by the bait that the enemy throws our way. Are you following along? We're about to finish, church. Once we follow that bait, whatever it is, today, whatever temptation you're facing, it brings forth or it gives birth to disobedience. We disobey and then it gives forth or it gives birth to death. The four stages of temptation. Today, I don't know where you find yourself, but maybe you're being tempted to give up, to cheat, to lie, to steal, to sin, to walk away, to abandon, to put money above God, relationships above God, people above God. Maybe you're in the deception stage. There's something inside of you that's saying, no, I don't want to mature in my faith. I don't want to stick this out. I don't want to stay under hoopamento. I don't want to become perfect, telios, mature. I want to walk away. If we can put back the four stages, I'm so sorry. Maybe we're in the deception part, and then it's leading to desire. You're walking toward that desire. You're walking toward whatever thing is drawing you away from God. Or maybe some of us, we already committed the act of disobedience, and it leads to the fourth one, death. And there's some of us in here today that we are dead spiritually, emotionally, mentally, because we gave in to the enemy. It starts in us, but the enemy knew what he was doing as he lured us away. James is saying you need to grow through what you go through. Stay under, hupomeno, so that you become perfect. The Greek word is teleos, a mature adult. Don't walk away to temptation because you will stay a baby and you don't have real faith. Today, if you're being tempted, I got good news for you. God is greater than the temptation you're facing. And he will never give you a temptation that you can't bear. He's with you. If you've fallen today, guess what? We have a God that will pick you up. He's a good God. He's an awesome God. And I just want to give you four ways that have helped me. I heard a youth pastor a long, long time ago say this, and I've heard it repeated in many messages. Maybe you've never heard this, but it's A, B, C, D. How do you get out a temptation? Hopefully, these four steps will help you. A, you need to avoid. B, you need to build. C, you need to counter. And D, you need to develop. A, you need to avoid harmful influence. In other words, if you are giving in to a certain temptation, get away from whatever that is, that harmful influence. In other words, if you're an alcoholic, don't hang at a bar. Amen? Pretty simple. I know the desire is there. I know we were driven away, but that's just a simple way to put it. But if you're trying to stop smoking, don't hang around a bunch of people that all they do is smoke. If you don't want to keep falling into pornography, maybe you need to block the website. If maybe you're being tempted in your smartphone, get a dumb phone. Like, I don't know, I'm just giving like practical things, right? Does that help? Hopefully. You don't want a haircut, don't go to a barbershop, in other words. Like, avoid whatever harmful influences there are in your life. Build healthy relationships. Not only do you need a, we need to practice replacement. Not only do we get things out of our life, you need to replace them with better things. So maybe today you need to cut out some circles in your life. Guess what? Replace them with better circles. I'm thankful for good friends, good people in my life that love me, care for me and Diana and Aria, want the best for us. I don't want people that want harm. I want people that want to pray for us and want the best. Is that making sense? Get good relationships in your life. That way you'll probably face less temptation when you do these steps. See, counter with God's word. I want to let you know, this booklet that we printed... And blame the 9-11. They took, some of them took four of them. But um, you can get it digitally. But this, cost, this literally cost us thousands of dollars. We literally could have put this at a Christian bookstore 
and sold it for $15, $20. Somebody said, I would have paid $20. I'm like, pay. Um, I'm kidding. But we made them free, and we spent all this money. For us, it's not spending. It's investment, because here's what we want. We want our church to know God's word. Because you will be tested, and when you're tested, you better know God's word. Not, you better know Alex's preaching. I better know Phil's teaching. I better know what Vlad and Raquel told me. I better know what the Anna told. You need to know what God told you. Abraham was tested. Job was tested. Jesus was tested. And when he, t- he was tested, he countered with God's word. Why we do this study, guys, so that every day we can fall in love with God's word. I just don't understand how Christians have been walking with Jesus for 15 years and don't know scripture. They don't have a relationship with God. They have a relationship with an atmosphere, an environment, a building. Today, let's fall in love with Jesus. Amen? Amen. A, B, C, and then D. Develop a life of prayer. I'm just saying, I, I mean, we can't make it more plain, and, and I know maybe we need to hear it often. I'm, I'm with you. I've been there. We're, we hear it, and we don't practice it. In fact, James will talk about that next week. We are hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. James is, if you want a nice message to make you feel good, come to the next series. But this series is going to make us grow up. James says, you hear the word, but you don't do it. How many times have we heard about prayer, but we just don't pray? And we got nobody to blame but ourselves. And so if you're facing temptation today, develop a life of prayer. I want us to stand up to our feet today all across this place. With every eye closed, every head bowed, we're about to leave. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're far from Jesus. Maybe you're here, it's the first time, second time, third time, somebody invited you and you feel so far from God. You're saying, Alex, this sounds okay, but I don't have a relationship with God. I don't even know if God wants anything to do with me. I've done so much wrong. Maybe you're filled of shame and guilt this afternoon. Can I tell you? You're in the right place at the right time. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. And he's telling you today, hey, come just as you are. He'll receive you. Maybe you're thinking, Alex, I'm going to go home. And this week, I'll get everything right. Then I'll come back next week and start a relationship with God. No, God says, come, come. You don't get right, then come to God. You come to God, and he helps you get right. Today, you can come to God with all your guilt, all your shame, The beautiful thing about God is he loves us just as we are, but he also loves us so much not to keep us as we are. He's going to help you grow, mature, change. Today, if there's guilt, shame, sin in your life, the Bible says all of us are sinners. You and I, there's not one perfect person in this place. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've we've all sinned before this holy God. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. Sin came to separate, but Jesus came to reunite us with our heavenly father. The Bible says that the wages or the price of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Maybe today it feels like death. Death has come in the way of sin. Emotionally, you're dead. Spiritually, you're dead. You feel separated from God. Jesus is the bridge back to the Father. The Bible says he went up on a cross and he paid the ultimate price for sin. Sin should have killed us, but Jesus says, I'll take death so that you can receive life. Jesus died on the cross. He went down to a grave. Jesus was dead for three days, but after three days, he resurrected. He was alive. He conquered sin and death. James saw him. Peter saw him. Paul saw him. Jesus conquered death so that you and I can have life today. 
Jesus is alive today. Are you far from God? Do you have sin in your life? Run to Jesus. He's the only answer. He's the hope, the grace, the mercy that we need. I want to pray for you. If you're saying, Alex, today I need Jesus. I want to repent for my sin. What does that word repent means? Turn around. I want to turn to my heavenly father. I want to turn from sin. I want to turn to God. Today, if you're saying, Alex, would you pray for me? I want forgiveness. I want to repent. I want a relationship with God. I want a clean slate. I want to begin again. I'm going to count to three. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I want to see who I'm praying for. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out. Every eye closed, every head bowed, hands already going up. Hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you. Every eye closed, if that's you. If you're saying, today I need Jesus, I need repentance, I need forgiveness. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. Raise it up, raise it up. As high as you can, I see you. I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you. Good, good, good. Awesome, 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 awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Amen, amen. It's the best move you can make. You put your hands back down. God loves you, brother. He loves you so much. The best move you can make in your life. And I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're facing. But it's no coincidence you're here today. He's got, he's got his hand over your life. He loves you so much. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed today, come on, let's say this prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. It's an easy prayer. I'm making this first one easy, but you can talk to God any place, anywhere. In fact, the whole church, why don't we say this out loud together with them. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come on, say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I put my faith and I put my trust in you. I'm forgiven and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, if you raise your hand outside where the, I don't know if we have more study guides, but outside in the Connect Tent, you're going to see a bunch of people waving this white bag. If you raise your hand, hands went up all over the auditorium, we have this free gift bag for you, and I promise the only thing we want is maybe an email, maybe a number to text you, and we just want to give you a couple of tips on how to help you, tell you about Growth Track. Me and Diana uh, want to send you an email, but if you don't want to give us an email, that's fine. We have a free Bible for you, a free cup, free coffee, all of that. Pick it up on the way out. We love you. You just made the best decision of your life. Come on, can we give them a big hand one more time? Come on. This week, let's put it into practice. We need to grow through what we go through. He's making me stronger. He makes me wiser, and he doesn't uh, send temptation. He helps me overcome it. Amen? Come on, let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for the book of James. Go before us this week. We give you all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.